Don't get your budgie smugglers in a bunch. You're welcome. What was that? You're welcome. With Hillary Rushford. Say it again. You're welcome. In advance. Hey, 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 friend. Happy Wednesday. Fancy meeting you here again. Today, I want to do something crazy, which is not be inflammatory in this volatile time. It is such a volatile time. It feels like it's hard to say anything without offending someone. And yet, I've been thinking about this one simple phrase that I want to share with you to help us dialogue instead of debate in the conversations that we're having, whether that is heading into an election season, holidays at home, um, or just this, you know, very intense year. I find it very noteworthy when I trigger someone online, which doesn't happen all the time. It's not like everything I say triggers people, but it is very interesting to me when I make people very angry because I am about as moderate as it gets in what I publicly share online without just refusing to discuss things that I believe matter in the world. There are absolutely influencers, bloggers, entrepreneurs that choose to speak only and exclusively about their area, and that is totally fine. So therefore, all we are ever talking about here is, you know, the keto life. Um, for me, that just feels inauthentic because I want us to be holistically evolved people um, in our life, in our beauty, in our businesses, and therefore I feel it is important for us to discuss and to grow in areas of mental health and empathy and believing that people of all races and religions should get to live safe and healthy lives and wanting everyone to have a safe place to sleep and have enough food to eat. And that, that yes, I, I feel it is important to be honest and talk about these things. And I personally, and it's not a judgment on anyone else, would feel completely vapid if all I was talking about is what clothes people should buy and my newest entrepreneur course that was going to help someone if ultimately I didn't believe that a woman who is more confident is therefore going to instill confidence in others. When she has more empathy for herself in her body and her beauty, she's going to have more empathy for others. When a woman becomes uh, able to provide for herself financially, she does such good stuff with that money. She donates to organizations and she creates jobs for other people who need them. Like the root of why I'm passionate about the things that I do is because I really believe it's about making the world better. <laughs> one woman, one family, one community at a time. But it is very rare that people are not either mute, mute, sorry, about those issues, or they are a loud activist for their side. And it is very clear what their positions are. Whereas us public moderates, and again, I say public moderates because it's not necessarily that I am moderate in, in middle of the road in all of my positions, but in what I share publicly, I am always trying to look for how to welcome everyone to the table, how to look at both sides, how to leave space for that, um, rather than saying, here's what I believe and I'm, I'm sh everyone needs to agree with me. Everyone obviously does, so I'm not even going to leave any space for the other side. 
But us public moderates, we don't get as much press because um, we shout less. We're less angry and aggressive, and um, so we get noticed a little bit less, but therefore it's noteworthy to me when I trigger, if you ever feel triggered by me or by someone else that really is more in that moderate category, it's noteworthy to notice while this person is not actually shouting, they aren't being aggressive and they aren't being extreme in their opinion. And the fact that this alone is bothering me is telling me I don't have any space to even consider with empathy and curiosity the other side. So that's just a little aside as we start today for us to notice. Notice if it feels impossible for you to consider even doing what I'm saying today because you don't know any other mode but screaming what your opinion is on one side against the person on the other side as opposed to actually being curious and listening and the real difference in what I'm going to talk about today is whether or not we actually want to make progress. Because when we are so committed to our perspective and cannot understand all the other person's perspective, all we're doing is shouting at each other and we're not going to get anywhere. But if we actually want to get somewhere, if we actually want to nudge someone in our direction or open up their mind to even consider that our point of view might be right, we have to do what I'm talking about today. So wherever you identify with, you know, as far as your religious or political or moral beliefs... I hope this phrase serves you. Yes and instead of yes but. So yes and in my world comes from the land of improv theater. Last week I shared my uh, lessons from my past career in musical theater and I did a little bit of improv as any good actor would do. And the real core of improvisational comedy, you know, your... um, your Amy Poehler and Tina Fey folks, when you go see one of those shows and there is no script, they take a prompt from the audience and then they riff off of it and they do a whole scene. The core of what makes that work is the key phrase, yes and. So yes and agrees with what the person said and then adds to it. So you say, uh, well, as your aunt, I will go to this appointment with you. And you don't say, no, you're not my aunt, you're my wife. That You'll never hear that. They go, yes, and since you have known me my whole life, you will know what my superpower is. And they go, yes, your superpower is. They don't say, no, you never told me what your superpower is. So they say yes to whatever the person before, and then they, they, it's building blocks. It's the only way that it allows for momentum and a shared story. When we say yes and, even in a conversation that is not on stage, we are creating a shared story where we are moving forward together. When we correct someone, we are trying to gain control and shift the conversation in the direction that we want it to go in. So when we make that one little word shift and say, even if we initially say yes, then we follow it with but. We're, we may feel that we were validating, but we are then immediately invalidating. Now, you might think, oh, well, I, I mean, I, I said yes. I, I, I kind of threw them a bone. 
I didn't just completely say you're wrong. I tried to soften it. So I tried to validate them with a yes or a that's an interesting point or that's one way to look at it. And then when we shift in some way, whether with this exact word or energetically somehow into the but, we then immediately are invalidating. And the most extreme way that you could think about this, I I think, is uh, when we think about grief. So imagine if someone says, um, I've just, I've been going through so much grief over my miscarriage. And someone says, yeah, but at least you know you can get pregnant. Like, obviously that is not helpful, right? You are just dismissing their grief and saying, well, it could be worse. You really shouldn't complain, especially if the person saying it is someone that has struggled, you know, if if you as the person saying, yeah, but at least let's say you're struggling to get pregnant. So now you're saying, I'm actually going to invalidate what you're going through because what I'm going through is worse. My, my grief is more extreme. So we can hear a case like that and go, Oh yeah, that is not going to make that person feel very understood. So yes and really strains to look or listen for what that person's underlying concern is. Because everyone who has a strong opinion on something, you know, it's it's based on something else. It's based on this is the, what the belief was in the house that I grew up in. And I, it would feel unsafe of me to go against that. I would feel ashamed to go against that as though I, why did I not start thinking about this earlier? I would be afraid to go against that because then it would cause a disconnect in other relationships that I'm really used to connecting with in this way. So, um, It may be that they really do have that opinion. They do believe that it's right or wrong. But there also are other underlying things, especially if it starts to get tense. So if you tell me that that you don't like my hair, I'm like, well, that's rude. (laughs) Um, But I'm not going to get super riled up about it because I don't – my thing isn't my hair – my identity is not tied up in my hair. I didn't even do my hair today. It's just in a bun on the top of my head. Like, so I'm not really that bothered. But if you if you say something and I get defensive about it, it's because there's something underlying that for me. If you say something about my hair and I you can just sense like, man, that got under my skin. Or this is starting to feel like an argument. This is starting to move into a debate. I just triggered something. Well, there's probably something under there that's like my mother used to criticize my hair growing up or my mom lost her hair early and I live in fear that I'm going to lose my hair. I have thinning hair and this is a a, a piece, a clip-in that I have in here. I have an ex that told me I didn't have sexy enough hair. Like if I've got a story about my hair then I am probably going to get a little more heated in this conversation as opposed to, I actually don't feel unsafe that you don't like my hair. I mean, it may be rude or and I may, or even if it was something obviously that wasn't rude, I may just flat out disagree with you. If you're like, I think, you know, I think little girls with blonde hair are the cutest. I don't know. I might disagree with you, but like, I don't have a kid. I'm not feeling defensive about it. I'm just like, oh, really? I think little kids with dark hair are just the cutest, blah, 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 blah. But if I get defensive, that's 
probably because you didn't realize that, you know, maybe I too think that kids with blonde hair are the cutest and none of my kids turned out with blonde hair or whatever. So when we get, when we notice that someone is getting heated, it really takes maturity from us to look and listen and be curious for what their underlying concern is. And when we find the underlying concern, we often can find more common ground on what that is. Because that founda- the foundational things that we tend to feel deeply triggered by are safety, love, values, connection, the core reasons of life. And we actually all can connect on that. So I talked about this in, I think it was episode 17 on self-love, where I said, what if we could see that someone who has a different opinion of us, a, a, a different opinion than us, is also seen through a lens of love? So something I personally am very passionate about is I ultimately believe that people who are on either side of the abortion issue At their core, one of their great motivators, not everyone's, but one big component of it for both, is a a value of life. And I think that those who are are labeled as pro-life, who would be anti-abortion, they they get that label. We are pro-life. And I think that those who are pro-choice are also in, in many circumstances, pro-life. They believe in wanting that child to have a great life, so they are more concerned with the, 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 the root and not the symptom. What would lead someone, in many cases, to elect to have an abortion might be the, the lack of financial ability to even go through a pregnancy, lack of health care, not making enough money that they could afford to take any days off if they have morning sickness or if they have to be on bed rest, not being able to afford to uh, financially care for a, a, a child or to get daycare if, if they're a single mother. I mean, I've watched friends of mine go through this of really fig- trying, you know, being stuck with, I don't have health insurance right now. I, I, I'm barely paying my bills as it is. This dad does not want to be involved. How am I going to financially provide for this child? Now, whichever decision that they made to have a child or, or not have a child, that, that is such a huge concern that I look at it and say, okay, well, if, if we have two people on both sides and we both are like, we just care so much about the life of this child, then let's have a conversation brainstorming like, yes, oh, I'm so with you. I'm so, I'm so pro-life. And that's why I'm really curious, what else could we do to create more programs for like, can can we get, you know, national health coverage so that any woman who gets pregnant knows she she can afford to go to the go to the hospital? Can we get programs where if we have low income mothers who get pregnant, who are on bed rest or who have severe morning sickness, there there is there are is our nonprofits or government programs that will help them to be able to get through that. Like, oh, I'm so with you, and we can have that yes and conversation because when we're stuck on the but I mean the reality is no one's like you know death to babies like that's not the real thing but when we're focused on this real divide we feel like I'm on the side they're on that side we have nothing in common we are completely opposed 
But when we look for the yes and, we're like, I wonder what is really underlying that for, for them. What are their concerns that they, why would they be so for abortion rights? Or why would they be so against abortion rights, whichever the way it is. I'm curious to really know more and to get beyond the first couple things people might say. Like, well, I should have autonomy over my body. Well, like, you know, the Bible says it's wrong. The Bible doesn't say it's wrong. But, you know, like, it's my religious beliefs. It's my belief I should have autonomy over my body. Okay, great. Those are our first things. Let's go deeper. Let's keep going. And what? And what else? And what else? I think we're going to get to, oh, we both... We're both pro-life. We both care about the life of babies for immigration. I think that we ultimately, we want, it, it's, it's people loving people. Those who are anti-immigration are focused on loving the people closest to them, the people that they know their names, they know them in their community. They're like, I'm afraid that people are going to lose jobs or I, you know, what, whatever it is. They, they are pro-love of the people in their world. And people who are pro-immigration are also pro-love. They just are pro-love even if they don't know you personally. And they, you know, want, um, want safety for, for even more people than the people that they know. And the person who's anti-immigration is like, I just want to feel really safe. And for, for whatever my reasons are, this makes me feel unsafe. And the other person's like, oh, I'm with you. Safety is so key. I just want all people to feel safe. And now can we have a conversation about what does safety look and feel like and what are our concerns and ideas around that that we actually have that in common? We both have a heart for safety. Guns. Some people feel safer with guns. Some people feel safer without guns. If we can have a conversation that goes to the heart of Yes, it's so safety for me. And here's what that means to me. And here's my concerns. Here's what makes me feel safe or unsafe. And here's where I get that from. Oh, interesting, because I feel so unsafe, yeah, we, around this issue as well. Like, I guess for me, I think this. And you're like, hmm, yeah, I do. Are, are you genuinely like, I do hear that? Or are you like, oh, interesting. In your head, you're like, ugh, most ridiculous idea ever. Now, granted, it requires that the person meet you in the conversation. Because if someone is just harping on their same talking points, then you, you know, you may not feel like you were really getting anywhere. And it doesn't mean that you are going to change their mind. Um, but I think that, you know, by, by no means does it mean that the conversation's going to go well. They're going to be on your side. You're going to feel like you made all this headway. But I do think that if we meet someone in their story and really try to get to the deeper layers of what's motivating them and look and listen for that and can honor that, can honor that there is a deep desire for safety, connection, connection to the values they grew up with, connection to the same beliefs of the people around them, um, any any of those things that we actually can honor, I, I see that very human core desire because I have it in areas of my life as well, that we have a better chance of, ex even if we don't change their mind we or, or get them closer to our side, we have a better chance just for ourselves at expanding our vision of what it means for someone on the other side. Um, I remember I had a, a roommate who was very passionately 
um, anti-abortion, and she volunteered at a clinic that uh, that supported the decision either way. And I had so much respect for her that this was a position that was very important to her. And so she actually put the work in to go be there and also not push her agenda. Say, I just want to be someplace where that's one of the options that's being discussed and that, you know, as much support and tools as there is available is being offered. But I also honor that this is this woman's you know choice and I thought like that's such a beautiful way if you have someone who does not understand people who are anti-abortion at all and you're just like oh my gosh they're just da, 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 da. and then you hear that story of Lori and you're like oh well you know if she was passionate I really honor that she put in the time because I'm going to be honest I don't volunteer at an abortion clinic so I can't say that I'm doing more for women than she is just to be totally honest, if if this is your position, um, I'm, you know, I'm hypothetically giving this. And you're like, I, I really can't say to do that. And I, I do respect, I have this vision in my head that people who are anti this are, you know, not, not even willing to consider other options or whatever. And you're like, oh, okay. Now, this just happens to be one specific example of someone in my life. And it's in a very controversial issue. But I think those little nuggets to me, and, and I've said before, I feel blessed because I create a safe enough space while sometimes I do trigger people. It also means that I hear from people from such a diversity of backgrounds and experiences that I often am able to, people feel safe sharing their stories with me. And so I'm able to hear from people that I disagree with on certain issues or I'm like, I don't understand how, how, to be honest, I'm like, how can we be against Black Lives Matter? This seems so obvious. Like, But getting to hear from a few people just gives me that little bit of expanded vision to be like, okay, so it's maybe a little, so, okay, so if you're, husband is a police officer, you're experiencing this as a very anti-police movement. And you're now feeling afraid for your husband's life. And you believe that your husband is one of the good ones. So again, you're feeling unsafe. Okay, wait, now we can connect. Okay, because the black community is feeling so unsafe. And the police community is feeling really unsafe. Now, that doesn't mean there's no policies that could be better there's no you know culpability one side or the other but you're like okay that's a shared emotion right so we just want to feel safe and we feel scared yeah gosh we have so much in common right and like what a different energy that is than being I'm completely right you are completely wrong you are delusional for the you know perspective that you have and by the way let's also say there are delusional people out there I just they are they're a teeny tiny percentage of this audience if they exist. Because I I, I really, I don't get messages from the crazies. I think you are smart and heartfelt and intelligent. And we are also deeply affected by what our worldview is. Um, this is a little different. If you're talking to your like aunt who is legitimately bipolar and just unable to have a rational conversation, of course, this is different. But I'm talking about that like fellow mom at your school that you feel like you're different from and you don't want it to get tense when you're doing your outdoor, uh, so you know, social distance play date. And so you're trying to just be better at how can I have this conversation? Because also in your mind, you're thinking, I do want to be able to talk up 
talk about my beliefs because I do think they matter at this time. And if I just stay completely silent about them around people that I know, then I'm not really doing my part to make a difference in the world and the things that I believe in. If I believe in in better supporting the black community, but I'm too afraid to say anything because I'm afraid people are going to pick a fight with me, I'm not really doing anything. I can't really say that I'm doing enough to to move forward the movement. So my hope is that in this today's conversation allows some of us who do who don't want to get in conflict, who don't like making things black and white, who don't want to argue with people, so we just get a little quiet in these times to play with what if I can say yes and what if I can really keep get, getting at the root of what it is for them and find a common ground in what that fear is and really validate them a little bit to say that I, I really can hear that you that that makes you feel unsafe. I mean, I, I empathize because I feel so unsafe on the other side, but truly just like I really do, I, I hear you on that. You know, that's not a a sentiment that often comes up in this. And um, yes, it is easier said than done at times because people will get heated. Uh, people will say things that are inflammatory that make us want to get heated because you're like, all right, I listened to this podcast of Hillary and I was all prepared to try to, you know, be open in this way. But oh my gosh, they just kept saying ridiculous things. And I felt like every time I was kind of honoring them, they weren't honoring me. Like I get that it is easier said than done to try to hold this space and it will not always lead to, well, that felt good and productive. Like sometimes you may be like, I just felt like I sat there and affirmed their point of view. They didn't ever hear me. So now I feel like all I did was make them feel more like they're in the right. Like, yes, that is sometimes going to happen. But our our big change in the world, I personally believe, comes from the moderates. We have the extremists on either side of any position. And we're not getting very far very fast. I mean, in any direction. It just feels like all we're doing is being in this constant tug of war. And just from a factual perspective, it's the moderates who decide elections. We've got a very polarized country and those moderates in the middle, those are the ones that are open to change. They are the swing votes and that does come from tiny little shifts over time really, really considering things. And again, I am biased about this, the value of this moderate middle because that is my position in beauty, mental health, business, you know, nothing that I teach or have seen really change lives is on that extreme fringe. I think as a non-political example, for example, example, for example, um, the body positive movement. I'm talk more about this in the style book that I'm uh, writing presently, but the body positive movement is is swinging the pendulum very far to one side and saying, Love your body where it's at. Take photos in your underwear. Like, don't apologize for, you know, like, don't want to change anything about your body. It's a, it's an assault to your body to want to change anything about it. And great. If that makes you happy, great. But the most women I hear from are not there. They don't, they don't feel, they do want to lose 10 pounds. 
They don't love everything about their body. They certainly don't want to take photos, you know, in their underwear and post them on the internet. So I believe it's the moderate position of how do we become more authentically confident? How do we balance that, yes, our cultural stories have given us one ideal narrative of beauty that is causing us a lot of pain and simultaneously we also as those who identify as women want to be beautiful and we shouldn't be saying that that's something that was created by the patriarchy no that's a desire in our heart you watch a little three-year-old girl in the mirror twirl around and smile at herself and say that she looks pretty and loves the way she looks that's not because I don't believe at three years old she's already been brainwashed by the patriarchy I think it's because she sees a a princess on TV in a pretty dress and she thinks, she's pretty. I want to be pretty like that. Like I think there is something inherent in that and that when we go to the extremes of buy more, weigh less, stay young, buy all our products that we're going to make you feel badly that you need to buy, that's one extreme. The other extreme is screw it all whatever, don't want to change anything about your body, don't care about the way you look, clothes is frivolous, it's only to be attractive to, you know, other people, etc. And I'm like, no, guys, there's something in the middle here (laughs) that is not consumerism, but is also not throwing away any honoring of our beauty. So that's my perspective on on all of the things. And therefore, this isn't specifically about, you know, politics or any of that. But So I really believe in the power of us having more conversations in the messy middle rather than monologues at one another from our far sides, looking for what fears and hopes we share together rather than what we fear in one another. I'm going to say that again because that was a good sentence. Looking for what hopes and fears we share together rather than what we fear in one another. And also people just want to be heard. I shared uh, a week or so ago on Instagram um, that there's like three people really close to me in my life who have a parent who's a narcissist. And in helping one of them through it, I had been studying and researching and just more curious about it. And I threw it out on Instagram stories because I wondered, is this more common than I realize it is? Or is it just a coincidence that There happen to be so many people in my life for whom this is a story. I was overwhelmed by the amount of response that I got, the number of DMs. And I even, I'd left a box for people to answer, like one of those questions boxes, which is just noteworthy that like there's, you already have a space to answer, but the number of people who need, who felt they were so desiring to be heard and tell me more of their story, which is great. No no, no problem with that. But it's really noteworthy when I'm like, I have 200 messages and that doesn't even include all the people that typed in to this answer box. And I already have these other 200 stories or people who would say, I answered in the box, but I wanted to tell you a little bit more. One, what came up for me there was just how much people want to be heard. And then also in this research around the trauma, specifically of a narcissistic parent, the real trauma in some ways comes from the fact that a narcissist doesn't care about the thoughts and opinions of others, which means that they are not caring about the thoughts and opinions of a child. And as I understand it, that's a very wounding, foundational, fundamental thing that we need to be told, to be indicated, you are valued, 
You are, your opinions are, your feelings are worthy. You are liked. I am curious about you. You are lovable. I am concerned about what your thoughts and feelings are. And that when that is absent, because you have a parent that is never asking a child what their thoughts, feelings, or opinions are, and whenever they do come up, they're dismissed and brushed aside, how painful that is as an adult. And then I realize I've got all these people in my messages who have these deep woundings from parents or ex-husbands who have shown up in just this one particular way. This is only about narcissistic personality disorder. On top of that, we've got sexual abuse, physical abuse, verbal abuse, uh, addiction, divorce, abandonment. I mean, we've got a myriad of other things. This is one small sliver of what people kind of experienced and the number of people coming through with their stories. And I just think there are people here who have completely opposite points of view politically or religiously or in whatever way on some issue. And if they actually got together and both shared about their pain to realize, oh, you know what? We both had narcissistic mothers And that led us to feel this and this. And we're both so sensitive about this issue. And it just manifests in these other ways. We have different opinions about what the right way to handle it is. But oh my gosh, do we have so much more in common at the the base here. And in children, it does manifest itself so damagingly, is that a word? When we, when that, when they aren't heard and listened to, that I can see that that is how adults feel. I, I observe now when I see an adult get really angry, it very often is because they don't feel like they're being heard. They feel like they're being dismissed. They feel like they're being judged or shamed or coddled or, you know, just not heard. And so really listening, affirming what we've heard back. Jeremy and I are doing couples counseling right now and we've we've been given the homework and we keep forgetting to do it on the kind of listening where one person shares their thoughts and you mirror it back and you don't dialogue about it. You don't try to fix it. You don't try to defend it. You're just like, you just have something you want to share and the other person says it back. So you truly are just listening and feeling listened to um, is really powerful, which is why they have you do it in therapy. So really listening, affirming, when affirming can even just be, I hear you. It doesn't have to mean I agree with you. It can just mean I hear you. I'm I'm understanding some of the base reasons and ways that you're coming at this from, even if I don't agree the answer or the, the way that you're wanting to play it out. Like that kind of dialoguing, I truly believe, leads to happier people, happier conversations, and happier relationships with the added bonus of possibly shifting hearts for those things that we all are passionate about because I think those passions are good. I think that you should you should care about the love and the safety of people in the world and people in your life and the health and safety of children. I think most of the things we are deeply passionate about are good things and if we really truly believe that the answers we have are going to make for more love and safety and happiness for more people, then we should want to speak up about them and we should want to open other people's eyes if we truly believe this is a better future that I'm leaving, not just for my kids, but for everybody's kids. Everybody's kids win when we do this. I want to be a good human citizen 
and I want to talk about it. And yes, that means I do want to change people's minds. But will I also have the humility that maybe I don't have all the answers and that it's okay if my mind changes at some point along the way. I hear a new story. I hear a fresh perspective. I become educated and deeply research in something. A life experience changes it for me. I think that that level of humility to me is one of the deep cores of the kind of person I want to be and strive more and more to be and is present in the people that I really respect and admire. So I would love to hear your thoughts over on Instagram as you have these conversations in uh, coming days and weeks. If this helps you, um, if this speaks to you, and uh, please come over and share so I can see what this might be leading to in action. Oh, wait. One more thing. Don't miss this. Before you go, love. P.S. Something I'm loving lately is we went to a wedding on Friday night. Very exciting for myriads of reasons. I mean, one, it was the first social event that I've done since February. Um, It was black tie. So Jeremy got to wear a tux. I got to wear a fancy dress. Uh, I mean, just that alone in the midst. That's exciting any time, any year, but specifically in 2020, you're just like, what is this magical thing that is happening in our lives? Um, Felt very safe. It was only a 25-person wedding. Uh, Masks were required any time that you weren't seated. I knew what the seating plan was, so I knew we could kind of just like, they were smaller rectangular tables. I knew we could kind of just like move to our corner a little bit and create a little distance from our friends when we were eating and drinking. Um, So it was lovely and magical and all of the things. And I so enjoyed sharing that with you on Instagram. But specifically, what I realized that I loved about that, that I would just encourage all of us to look for and celebrate in our life when it happens, is that I got to see someone's true story transformation because I realized my girlfriend is maybe the first friend that I've really seen be incredibly single trying to figure out who she wants to date what matters to her in a relationship trying out this trying out that you know creating new desires and shifts for her life meet someone get engaged, and get married. I realize most of my friends have been with the person when I met them, whether they were dating or already married. A lot of my girlfriends are still single. Um, they you know, were with someone when I met them and then they broke up. But it seems like it wouldn't be as rare as it was, but I've not been able to think of anyone else that I was really close to, meaning I didn't just know them when they were single and then they got married, but we really had numerous conversations around dating and talking about what about this guy and how did this go and what do you value and what do you think is important and all of that. And so it was just so cool to really see that in someone's story. And I thought how much we should celebrate those moments when we see them, when we get to watch somebody go from being in a career that they hate to taking the leap and starting a business and actually having it work. You're like, I just got to watch this courageous transformation. How inspiring is that? You know, I was friends with this person. I actually, we had one other friend that I felt really powerful about this year, that it was the first friend where we were trying to have a baby. And then during a very years long process of wanting to have a baby, talking through that with them, praying about it, then finding out that they were pregnant and having the healthy baby. 
it hit me so much differently than girlfriends where I was friends with them when they were pregnant. And I, I heard in hindsight, they had a miscarriage. It was hard, but I wasn't there at the moment. Um, and I have two other girlfriends that come to mind as I say this who are really in the middle. And I think, okay, I hold out the vision for that of how amazing it will be when they do get the thing that they are waiting for. Actually, I have a whole bunch more than that of like other girlfriends that are still single and things like that. But two girlfriends come to mind that um, have both had around the fertility journey has been really painful. And I think, okay, when they do have the happy, healthy baby, that will have been such a story that I had a front row seat from to really watch somebody walk through and navigate when they don't know how it's going to turn out. And I think we see so many afters on Instagram and social media. They they met the love of their life. They have the baby. They have the business. Um, and it feels so daunting sometimes when it's you and you don't know what the story is that I think it's really powerful to notice when we see someone through that whole story and we're like, you, I mean, I just said, said to my girlfriend, it's just wild that like at X time, not that long ago, remember, it's just that sense of like, gosh, who will you, like, who will I marry? And when am I going to get married? When will I meet the person? And then it's like, oh my gosh, five seconds later, you met them. And now you're getting married. Like, we, you didn't even know this was happening a year and a half ago. Isn't that wild how your life can just change? And I just, I am all about celebrations and prayers and, uh, you know, dreams long journeys and I would just encourage you to think about anyone in your life that you've got to really watch go through that transformation and the hope and the inspiration that we can all glean therefore for ourselves and for other people that we love whatever the journey or the dream is. All right, my dear, I have loved hanging out with you today. As always, please come over and hang out with me on Instagram so that we can be together most every day over in Instagram stories. I will see you next week when I cannot wait to read your review that you're going to leave right now. Pretty, pretty please. It'll take you 20 seconds. You can swipe up. You can tap the five stars. You don't have to type anything. But if you would type something, oh my gosh, it just makes my day when I see that. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you in advance. If you've never slowed down to take 30 seconds to do that, I am so grateful. I'll see you next week, love. Till next Wednesday. 